Hello, and welcome to the Line Break Podcast. My name is Chris Corlew, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, Bob Sikora. Oh my god, we did it. We're back again. We did it. We're back again. I wasn't sure if we were going to make it. <laughs> uh, you know, always always a fair question. <laughs> uh, but, you know, ultimately, Bob, I consider you like a family member. Uh, so we're always going to be back. see what you're doing here. <laughs> um, today we're talking about poems that deal with family. Initially, I thought we'd be determining whether or not we're pro or con. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Poetry as a medium demands a little bit more uh, complexity. Um, we're recording right around Thanksgiving, uh, a time when people are getting together with slash thinking about family. It'll probably come out a little bit closer to Christmas, a uh, time when people are doing the same. So yeah, we uh, thought we'd uh, we thought we'd address the topic head on. Uh, so Bob, family, pro or con? <laughs> Uh, Jerry's still out Sunday. <laughs> it's very rude of me. Um, the very wonderful supportive family. I should right, not we both talk come shit. from two parent households with like <laughs> extremely supportive parents and siblings right. we like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no business being snarky on here. Right. Um, <laughs> Possibly the only people listening, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, family. You know, no matter how, um, no matter the position of privilege that we come from, no matter how lucky you are and your family are unlucky, like family is always a complicated thing, right? And uh, I guess, like I said, poetry is a great medium for dealing with complicated stuff. So, should we get into it? You wanna... I guess we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go to poems. We're gonna dive right into poems. We're gonna dive right into poems. Yeah, Poem I think time. I think we have we have two poems that that address different but similar family things that are are fitting for the holiday season. I think. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah. Let's just get into it. Alrighty. Um, I'm gonna pull up the book version. I sent you. The online the version. poetry foundation version. Right. Um, and I know there's a difference in formatting. I couldn't find any differences in the language, but I feel like I have, I feel like there's gotta be. Yeah. This is <laughs> so one of my that, favorite games to play when we, when we record right, this podcast. Right. Yeah. Um, so this is um, from Francine J. Harris's collection, Play Dead, and it's called Enough Food and a Mom. The dad. Body has just enough gravy on his plate to sop up one piece of bread. So, enough for one supper, says the mom. She comes back to him, says, don't argue with mom. You're a ghost. There's enough water around to drown a cob in its husk, in a dad. He puts up weather stripping all night to keep out the mom. He says... I should have cooked for you more. She thinks she could make her own insulin to keep herself from going into dad. She says, I should have married a ghost, says, you have a little raisin on your lip, a little. The mom says, stop all that quiet, it's foolish. Come on now, dad, come to ghost, says the ghost. 
I won't even warn the mom. I won't even flinch if the ghost tries to hold her mom. After all, a good seance starts with enough food and a mom. The ghost with a biscuit and meat. The mom with the smell of cracked dad. Sucked out of oxygen. The mom is a smell of wrecked vines. You, the dad, with no teeth. And no, the mom, is a garden full of ghosts. No, says the dad, lost in ashes. No city is complete, its own worst ghost. Who can't even remember the ghost now, the ghost says. All yourselves know, now, they ghost like the bushel of a sunflower. Everyone is dead, now, says the ghost. The mom is a yard of blackening petals. At night, I have really long dads. Without the ghosts, I wake in a puddle of ghosts. But you'll be mom one day, to know I am alive. We are all sappy, dad, aren't we? Tell the ghost it's okay. Let the bodies lie ghost for a while. I mom of you. I mom of you a lot. Yeah, it's a poem, man. Boy, howdy. It's a poem. Um, I hope the microphone did not just pick me like tea oh. smacking my lips. <laughs> that's that's what the editing is for. But I was planning on leaving it in. <laughs> it was it was me uh, appreciating the deliciousness of this poem, <laughs> sopping up the gravy of the poem. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, you know, I like my poems to come with dipping sauces. <laughs> you can have a little poem, a little side of honey mustard, you know. Um, yeah, there's, there's so much to get into this poem. Um, uh, I have a lot of thoughts, but you know, it's yours. So go first. Why this poem? Um, I mean, yeah, the, the real simple, you know, starting point is we kind of, once we honed in on family poems, maybe even specifically about our parents, um, this one came to mind and I've, I've wanted to talk about it on the pod for a long time. You know, like, I think, I guess I just... You know, when you come across a poem and it hits so hard, like even like the very first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one that uh, I just, I don't hesitate for a second where I just like, I hope this is already anthologized. I hope there's a high schooler or a college student reading it now, if not 20 years from now or whatever. Um, and, you know, and thinks of this as um, poetic excellence from like this time period. Um, yeah. This to me yeah. feels like pantheon level shit <laughs> that's high praise and we are effusive in our praise on this podcast but that is high praise <laughs> um yeah i mean there's there's a lot of poems i like and think they're good um and there's another level every once in a while that we're gonna get up to um yeah, yeah I, I, don't know, okay. I guess yeah i guess i guess part of what i'm saying is like this just like reminds me of some of the stuff i read that just like fucked me up, blew me away, made me want to never stop reading poetry. Sure. Um, when I was in that most like tender baby poet reading period. Yeah, like you know. your formative yeah. reading period. Yeah. yeah. And so it's impressive when something can, you know, still hit me that way. Cause you know, you almost feel like you lose a bit of that, um, that white-eyed innocence, (laughs) you know, as you've seen more, it's just because you have seen more unless things are surprising. Right, right, right. Yeah. The things that stick with you. That's yeah, that's real. Um, Right. I have a lot of that with music um, Mm -hmm. stuff when I was like learning to play guitar and in high school, that's just like, 
Yeah, I can't like objectively on any kind of critic level, like maybe defend exactly how much I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers Californication, but like, <laughs> you know, like some of those guitar riffs like taught me how to play guitar, you know, like that sort of thing. Like I recognize most of it's ridiculous, but like, you know, it's formative. Um uh, this is this is why I, uh and I, I say this to someone who loves and has lived with multiple musicians, but um, uh, you, you know poets are better because they don't uh, put you through uh, what my freshman year of college roommate did, where he just played like the same Dave Matthews Band part like over and over again. See, I didn't do months. that, and I and I and I and and my my indefensible band is not your old roommate's indefensible band, which is Limp Bizkit. <laughs> I could I could defend Limp Bizkit on the pod right now, but Good I will refrain because we're talking about poems. Okay, you and <laughs> you and Michael deserve each other. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I really, if I can, real quick, I I've been trying to put my foot put my foot on put my finger on exactly what i what i really liked about this poem and i think uh for me i think you the... just did it <laughs> right what bringing up the chili peppers and limp biscuit no, no. <laughs> no saying something like i put my you know i can't put my foot on it oh you know um it's maybe this is not what you're gonna say but it's it's this syntax thing that you're right i, I don't have a name for it but you're gonna talk you keep talking oh yeah well i was just gonna say like yeah it, it, it leads into the syntax thing but it, it feels to me so much like a um a flattening of time of family. Mm, mm-hmm. It feels like the parents are both alive and dead and the children are both like children and adults at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like um, it feels, it feels like the syntax has like flattened out genealogy mm. almost. Mm. Um, but I, I think we're going to talk about it when you talk about what's the move. So I'm, I'm going to shut up and say, <laughs> Bob, what's the move? Oh, I mean, you were saying something interesting there. Um, I mean, I guess and part of what I like it and part of, again, poetic excellence here, we're talking about um, that, you know, you're pointing to a little bit, yeah, this kind of like, there's difficulty like parse down exactly anything other than what we're yeah. talking about family. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I, I have trouble grasping a plot. I don't care though. I don't know if there needs to be, it still doesn't feel like there's not things happening from beginning to end. Um, but I know for me when that's the case that um, allows me to kind of grasp onto kind of some of the, the excitement that's coming from the language. And as I was saying, to, to me, it feels like it has something to do with syntax, um, with using words, you know, n- not just in a way that's unexpected, but like it shouldn't work. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Taking it's that leap. Using words and syntax in a way that like, yeah, sort of bends your brain a little bit as you're reading. Exactly. Um, you know, and kind of the the peak example of this is that, that final line, I mom of you. I mom of you a lot. Um, yeah. And it, exactly. I love, I love that idea of like, bending your brain because it is this like moment of like the English part of me, like that doesn't work. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't mean anything. I also know exactly what it means or right. a multitude of things that it could mean. Um, there's your, uh, there's your uh, poet side and your composition teacher side. <laughs> right. Your freshman comp right. teacher side. <laughs> um, yeah. That like absolute, kind of breaking of the brain, bending of the brain that 
kind of getting back to what we're talking about at the beginning, it, like it feels essential for talking about family. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it, it can be so difficult. Right. You know, and, and like you said, that this there's so many ghosts that it's like hard not to assume someone has passed away. Yeah, um, it feels like everyone is I is is both alive and a ghost at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Which is like it that's how you think of people, right? Like when I think of my grandparents, I don't think of them dying, but they're dead, mm-hmm. you know, well, mm-hmm. all but one. But, you know, like I think of them alive and I think of them almost with active verbs, like present tense verbs, you right. know. Or I guess right. maybe not present tense verbs, whatever the clause is where it's like you know, my grandmother would make biscuits at Thanksgiving right. or whatever, you know, like right. whatever that clause is. Um, you, you think of, you think of people as they were alive, um, but they're not anymore. And then, I mean, I'm coming at it as someone who is a parent. So like I've grown up into the parent role while also like really relying on my parents a lot. So it's like mm-hmm. they're grandparents now, but they feel like, sometimes I still feel like, you know, a pleading little kid, like going to my mom and dad being like, what am I supposed to do kind of thing? You know? So it it just kind of like has a way of like the family cycle has a way of flattening itself out over time. I feel right. like and this poem gets at it. Uh, uh-huh. um, um, this I is like also that. a thing I hadn't thought of until I read this poem. Um, Cause I, yeah, the, the syntax, the goat, the amount of ghosts, the interchangeability of the ghosts and the dads and the moms. Right. Um, the, the verbing of parented, like the, yeah. the I'm mom of you a lot, like all <laughs> of that just sort of like, it flattens everything out where like it becomes this, uh, like omnipresent thing that is really <laughs> fluid, you know? Um, I want to, I want to hang that idea of omnipresence. Um, because like I said, I, you know, I, I can't decipher who is or isn't dead. I like your reading about this, of this flattening of time. But as someone reading this, like, with two alive parents, um, you know, and feeling connection to it and relationship to it, whether I'm, like, actually related to experience or not, um, for me, one of the things the ghost was kind of putting pressure on is, like, the way that, I don't know if I believe this as I'm saying it, but, like, family as much as if not more than anything is one of those places where like your, your, your history and your experience weighs on everything so heavily, Um, you know, as the child, like that they were there for all of it, Um, you know, and like really, I don't want to say inconsequential, but like things that were so small matter all these years later things that you think of in the moment are so small but that turn right. out mattering yeah right or i'm thinking of there's something in that the first couple stanzas um you know this idea of how the mom and dad speak to each other at dinner yeah um, and they're talking about dinner they're talking about i wanted to point this image out but they're talking about like dinner stuff with like uh uh, I, I'm realizing as I'm saying it, this is personal bias, but just <laughs> enough gravy on his plate to sop up one piece of bread. I only eat gravy around the holidays. Uh, uh, you know, like, I, I got, I got holidays from it too. Yeah. I, it, yeah. There. I get like special occasion dinner from this. Right. But yeah. But you were saying it just kind of, you know, it reminds me of um, like a really practical way that I think this like ghost thing happens um, is, you know, when you've 
spent so much time with these people, lived with them for a long chunk of time. Um, you know, that way that like the same argument is like magnitude or it's like yeah. multiplied. Yeah. It's like, it, you know, it's just, it feels so much more grating. Cause you're like, I've heard this my entire life. Right. How are we doing this again? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, um, that feels like one of the ways there's this ghost in this poem. Yeah, of, for sure. You know, like yeah. I, I can't escape um, the fact that we keep doing this, you know, and I, I'm implicating, you know, the parents in this situation, but I think the, the speaker, I think the, the child here too, um, you know, certainly is part of this repetition, which again, I think plays right into what you're saying, this flattening of time, you know, like because we do it over and over and over again, it doesn't matter when it happened. <laughs> right. Know? Right. Like, yeah. And, and almost too, like this kind of almost pushes towards this idea of like, even when we're gone, we're going to be fighting in the same way or, right. you know, or having the same. Well, there's in the, uh, uh, whatever stanza it is, there's a lot of short stanzas, but um, a good seance starts with enough food and a mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, why have a seance if you're not, trying to bring up some unresolved shit, you know, <laughs> like why? I mean, I guess, I guess some people just want to talk to yeah, their dead relatives. You know, that's, that's fair, because. but like, <laughs> uh, but a seance, like I've seen Bill and Ted, a seance is a really long, complicated thing. Uh, um, was it bogus journey when they, when they, yeah, bogus yeah. journey for sure. Yeah. You have to do a whole bunch of stuff. You have to light candles, which is a pain in the ass. Um, it's, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta really want to talk to somebody to have a seance. Tell me, uh, as someone who's, who's, you know, you're sopping up gravy at a some sort of holiday meal. What, it, what is your reading of uh, the very next sentence? Uh, the ghost with a biscuit and meat. That is. <laughs> it's evocative. Yes, yeah, I want to know. Like yeah. I want, like I, I, my mind plays with it, but I like. Right. Presumably it's not just the ghost having like a pigs in a blanket when it comes down from heaven or whatever. Um, But yeah, like, I don't know. I guess like, you know, there's a double reading of meat as like both Mm -hmm. a, both a food and just like flesh, like flesh body. Yeah. Yeah. Having a body. Um, And then biscuits, uh, I guess I, you know, I'm Southern biscuits are like comfort, you know, um, yeah. So when you're you're summoning a ghost, you um, you're expecting some sort of comfort, and I guess you want to see them with uh, you know with something resembling their body. You want to see them mm-hmm. somewhat as they were if you were summoning a ghost. I've never had a seance before, so I'm speculating. Look at you go. But uh, um, but yeah, the ghost with a biscuit in meat, not a biscuit and meat, but in meat. Or even um, just like something like in the meat, or like you're doing something with the biscuit, you know, like there's right. there's just like a word or two missing yeah. that makes you try and piece it together. Right. It makes it stick out and it makes it feel like right. um it makes it feel incomplete, almost like any kind of summoning of a ghost is always gonna feel incomplete. You can't bring mm. a person back from the dead, you know. Mm. I'd be remiss to not just read the next line again because it's so good. The mom with the smell of cracked dad. Yeah, and this that sucked out of oxygen part is like also mm-hmm. really evocative too. Like, yeah, that's like that's like body horror shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. There's, yeah. there's a lot. There's a lot. I, I I get I get from this poem that um, I mean, no death is ever pleasant, but I get from this poem that the the deaths were not pleasant in this mm. family. Um, sure, and 
I don't know. I'm getting, you know, I'm getting longing and, and all that stuff, but I'm also getting, like, uh, not an overt pain, but, you know, painful ends to life that you mm. maybe don't want to think about but can't help but remember kind of thing. Right, sure. Like, I, you know, I don't know. I was present when my grandmother died, and it's not like it was unexpected, uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, it sucks to see. It's not... Like, right fun to be around and i don't want to think about her in those moments but you also yep. can't help it you know like, for sure i saw it you know so yeah can't help it um that's what that's what that stanza is giving me is like there's like there are for sure uh this poem isn't about like the uh or isn't trying to think about the the deaths of whom of whichever family member but like also can't help itself you know does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, so yeah, you were thinking of pain. You brought up the word longing. Um, and kind of what came to me there was was thinking too of it seems really clear to me like how mutual this is. Like there's there's plenty there's plenty of pain and longing to go around. Yeah, it's not yeah, a, yeah. One person who's who's got it all. Um, yeah, it's part of the family dynamic. And this is not a. I miss my dad, I miss my mom, I miss my grandmother, whatever. This is not one of those kind of poems. This is a all-around-the-family kind of thing. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, Uh, which is kind of impressive to pull off in, like, this short amount of space. Mm -hmm. It's not a very, it's not a short poem, but it's not a very long poem either. Right, right. So, yeah, you know, we're kind of getting into it, but what's, uh, what's going on beyond the page for you? Um... Family's hard, man. <laughs> Family's tough, yeah. <laughs> uh, Can't just be pro or con. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. I don't know this this uh, this poem makes me uh, just rethink and relive stuff and kind of sit in the like that weird space of like, how, how did we get here? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. yeah. I'm older and far from my family and I talk to them, you know, fairly regularly and I love them. And sometimes they drive me so crazy. Yeah. And, uh, yes. you know, uh, sometimes I would love to just like have a quick, easy meal um, and even if I could teleport them here, it wouldn't be a quick, easy meal. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever, I don't know. Since going to college, how much have you, uh, I feel like I should know this, but how much have you lived in LA since going to college? There was like a couple months. A couple months, yeah. 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 Um, do, you, do you ever get the feeling where like you simultaneously like wish your parents were around the corner and then also are glad you don't live in the same city as them? million percent i mean yeah mal and i talk about this all the time where it's just like we it's like oh we wish we could see our parents whenever we wanted but then it's also like oh it's nice to have a little separation sometimes just feels like the dream would be you know somewhere where they're close but not too close sure yeah (laughs) you know yeah Yeah. um and yeah it's it goes back to that like the absurdity of at 18 deciding I wanted to move across the country um, Which, without having any idea of like some of the ramifications of that, you know, yeah. in terms of. As I've become a father, I've realized that this is extremely absurd. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> even though I wouldn't want to live where they live. I don't want to live in Tennessee anymore, you know. But right. Like, but, right. But good lord, do I and and you know, we talk about we never seriously talk about moving. We're pretty like settled in Chicago or whatever. But like well, where where else could we see ourselves? And mm-hmm. you know, Baltimore comes up, which is where Mallory's family's from. It's like, oh, I can I could see myself living in Baltimore. And uh um but Mal's like, yeah, but I, I could too, but you know, how quickly before I go crazy because of my, you know, my parents <laughs> drive me crazy or whatever, you know, like those, right. those things. And it's just like, it, I guess it comes down to having a good system set up. And it's like, we're lucky that we get to see our parents with some relative frequency, but, right. but yeah, I think about that paradox a lot where it's like, yeah. I, I frequently just, I want them to be like right there, right around the corner. Um, right. Not just my parents, a lot of my family, but then I'm right. also like, I'm independent now. I'm an adult. I, I, I'll see you when I see you kind of thing. Like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's, it, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm amazed, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, you, the two of us are in that kind of same position where, you know, like we said, recognizing an absurd decision to move away, but, you know, both just that we felt we could do it almost. Um, you yeah. know, that I, I, I know people who, you know, yeah, just like moving further from their family was just like, not like conceivably not an option, you know, right. <laughs> or like logistically in any way, but just like the, it wasn't ever going to happen. It wasn't ever in the cards. Right. Um, it wasn't something and, we could dream of doing. Yeah. Just in terms of like, I can't be that far away from right. my people. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting to kind of watch some of those like really clear benefits of having done yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and certainly, uh, there's some ways where I like having Thanksgiving as this like off day. And there's some ways where it's like, wow, I just have missed this holiday with my family for so yeah. many years now. Yeah. Know? Especially, it's... especially as we enter year three of COVID. Right. Um, right. But yeah, my cousin, her, her kid is like basically the same age as mine. And uh, mm-hmm. she's had round the clock daycare for my aunt. Right. Uh, you know, forever. Cause right. Yeah, just can just do it. It's like, like, oh, aren't you lucky? (laughs) But you still live in Tennessee. (laughs) Oh. uh... Um, But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's um, it's a complicated thing. Yeah, it is, and that's that's why again the the poem poems feel helpful for thinking about it because the complicatedness is inherent and right. That's yeah, there it is. That's why we turn to poetry. Yeah. All right, we're gonna get into feelings, so you should we should move on to your poem. Yeah. Well, speaking of turning to poems for complexity, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my uh, my poem is um, uh, in the hospital by Chen Chen, who you've read on this podcast, but I have. Yep. So it's yep. not cheating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> reading it a second time. In the hospital. My mother was in the hospital, and everyone wanted to be my friend. But I was busy making a list. Good dog. Bad citizen. Short skeleton. Tall mocha. Typical Tuesday. My mother was in the hospital, and no one wanted to be her friend. Everyone wanted to be soft, cooing sympathies. Very reasonable pigeons. No one had the tie, and our solution to it was to buy shinier watches. We were enamored with what our wrists could declare. 
My mother was in the hospital, and I didn't want to be her friend. Typical son. Tall latte, short tail, bad plot, great Wi-Fi in the atypical cafe. My mother was in the hospital, and she didn't want to be her friend. She wanted to be the family grocery list. Low-fat yogurt, firm tofu. She didn't trust my father to be it. You always forget something, she said, even when I do the list for you. Even then. Whew. That's what I call poetry. Volume no, that's what 79. <laughs> Volume whatever episode this is. <laughs> Hey, Chris, uh, tell me why you chose this poem. (laughs) Well, I chose this poem uh, for reasons I'll explain a little bit later, but I was searching for a poem that uh, encapsulates what a weird experience it is to be in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like there's a deep and varied history of poets writing about health and hospitals and stuff like that. Hospital is just a weird place to be. And I'm talking strictly about being in the hospital, not like visiting somebody. Um, Mm -hmm which I'm lucky enough to have only had to do about three times. Uh, One was when my kid was born. One time I had a health emergency and then just recently, um, none of which ended up being a huge deal. But uh, but yeah, it's a simultaneous sense of like, you feel like disconnected from yourself, but you also feel like you have to like be your best self. Like people come in and ask you questions and you have to like really answer them, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) like, um, God, I have to confront myself here. I have to like, so one of those days was when my son was born and yeah, like it was just like, okay, I need to spell his name. Right. And he has a really simple name. Like it's not hard to misspell, (laughs) but I just remember like seeing a form and being like, okay, I have to spell a name and, Oh, this is his birthday. I have to remember this for the rest of my life. You know, like you're just like feeling a lot of pressure about like the simplest things. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, it's disorienting. And then like, yeah, you know, like sometimes you have to like understand, you know, jargon and like, and new things like learn how to make lifestyle changes or, Mm -hmm. you know, when you go home, you have to do, a, B, and C, like, immediately and correctly, like, differently, you know, that sort of thing. And I just, <laughs> uh, when I was just recently in the hospital, I just remember thinking, oh, uh, lots of poets write about, write about this, and in weird and interesting ways, maybe a poem would help keep me sane right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I literally just typed into, like, I think the Poetry Foundation website, hospital poem or something like that. Yeah, and, like, right. Scroll, scroll through a few of them until I came on this one. Um, so, yeah, that's why this one. For sure. For sure. I like that, um, you know, because the, the, kind of what came to mind is you're talking about, you know, this being, uh, there's some level of tra- tradition of writing about hospitals and health, you know, and it definitely makes sense uh, because, like, the biggest topics like life and death right, right, right. <laughs> kinda, you know hospital kind of makes you think about it but you're describing too that this way that it's sort of a um you know a liminal space a sort of limbo you're it does feel like leaving the real world to yeah. go into a hospital mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't feel quite like reality and and yeah you have to like stop and think about stuff um, right. you know I, I i i think one of the things that, you know, I guess this isn't necessarily a hospital situation, but, I, you know, I feel like 
there's been times where, you know, they're doing a test or whatever. And you're like, I know I have absolutely no reason to be worried, but like, until they come back and tell me, right. I'm so terrified right I'm now. I'm still in this room. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> they've been gone for all of two minutes but i'm still in this room right <laughs> and also uh, i also think about i think so much about um you know those stories of like people where like they go in for like a routine thing or or, right. or, or an accident happens and then they uncover something big you know yep. and it's it's just always like man until they come back with blood work or vitals or what, whatever it is, you know, it's like, right. Well, I probably have kidney failure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Oh, I hear you. I was gonna say, take me into the poem a little bit. Yeah. Let's uh, go. Let's go talk there. about some moves. What is, what's going on? Yeah. So, um, so I just remembered, so I had something, I have something written out, but I also just remembered something like as I was reading it, uh, first of all, I love that the poem ends on, this line of pettiness. You the always ending forget. is so incredible. The ending is oh my god. This line of mundanity, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and pettiness after like the heaviness of the rest of the poem. But for me, the real the real move is um, the inversion of everyone wants to be a friend slash no one wants to be a friend kind of thing. How mm-hmm. he plays with that, um, right? It's such a perfect expression of how the difficulties of either being in the hospital or visiting someone like yeah. You know, of course, you want to be there for a person, but there's only so much you can do. Of course, you want people there for you, but like, I personally don't want to be like smothered in attention. You know, like that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, then it finally comes to a head with the mother, uh, with her perspective, and she doesn't even want to be her own friend. You know, mm-hmm. like, and that that leads into the last line where it's like. I don't want to be my own friend. I want to go buy groceries for my family. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like once you're in the hospital, mm-hmm. you're removed from your day to day responsibilities in life. And you, once you're there, you, all you want to do is get back to that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so it just kind of like, it builds in a really, I don't want to say subtle way, but it builds in a, it builds in this really controlled way of, of the, no one wants to be your friend. Everyone wants to be your friend. That kind of thing plays with that until it, until it, finally comes to the mother who is not the speaker, but is the person in the hospital. I just think that's a great move. I love that. Yeah. Um, It's funny because I had the, I didn't want to be her friend. She didn't want to be her friend. That really stood out to me. I, until you pointed out, I kind of missed that first line. My mother was in the hospital and everyone wanted to be my friend. Yeah. You know, and it's, I think it's such a great move to, you know, play with that, idea and these, you know, the different kind of positions there and how those different positions affect this idea of who wants to be whose friend. Um, right. you know, the opening one is, you know, it is like very simple of, um, and, you know, relatable of going into hospital or whatever doctor setting and just how kind everyone is being to you. Um, you know, and again, especially like if you're there for someone else or whatever, the, my mother was in the hospital and I didn't want to be her friend is so devastating because that's so real. I mean, maybe not the hospital setting, but I've like absolutely been there Yeah. in that moment where you're like, why do I not want to be around my mother right now? You know, right. like, like, why do I have this kind of sourness? Um, and it, it, in, you know, my experience is usually a mix of like, you know, just fear and not wanting to deal with the situation, mm-hmm. but then also just yeah. like, 
you know, okay, well, somebody else in the hospital and I need to be there for them, but also I have a million other things to do and like, right. And it's just like, and then you end up feeling guilty for even thinking any of that, you know, yep. Yep. like, okay, like, let's say you had to get a, take a day off work and you don't have paid time off. <laughs> so you're frustrated because like, you're right. You know, you're, you're, you're not, getting, you're not getting paid for the day. And, but then you're like, why am I thinking about a paycheck? My mom's in the hospital. You right. Know? And right. so you get mad at yourself for thinking that, but then you're also still worried about your mom. Like, yeah, it's, it's a frustrating thing, you know? For sure. It's, it, it, it is, um, yeah, that's, that's just the mess of emotions you run through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then everyone wants to be like, Oh, let me know if, you know, if there's anything I can do, everyone wants to be your friend, but <laughs> just like, I don't know. Right. And then of course the, you know, the last one of she didn't want to be her friend, which is again, so relatable and upsetting. You know, like, I don't want to be here right now. I want to go buy firm tofu. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and also, yeah, relatable too, in the sense of, you know, of even in the hospital, her wanting to like take care of people, um, Yeah, you know, like to to, to still do the stuff. Um, God. Yeah. It's funny to put these two poems together because this one also has some of those like really short lines that are short sentences. And honestly, it maybe there's only two of them. There's some lists and then there's typical Tuesday, which really slows us down. And then later typical sun, which yeah. really slows us down. And then a list again. And and maybe that does kind of get back to dropping microphone um, <laughs> that kind of might get back to, a, you know, of uh, everyone wanted to be a friend as this like structural thing. It, 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 part of this poem is, is it feels like the intentionality is stands out and feels so strong yeah. um, that there is this, this connection and, and sort of circularness that's making it all happen. There's a, the poem operating behind the scenes is, you know, not entirely invisible. Um, and, and I think it's, it's doing stuff. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say there. There's something I'm trying to say there. Yeah. Well, in those, the, those two that you highlighted, uh, typical Tuesday, typical sun, those being the, well, besides even then at the end are, oh, right. so there are three, two word sentences yep. uh, in the whole poem. And they feel like they should be like, emphatic about something but Uh they feel more like they're not exclamation marks they're not like yeah uh, they're not like they're not dunks it's just like they're just kind of these like minor little interruptions in the poem and and Mm -hmm. interruption i don't mean interruption as in like they're bad or anything but like they're these minor little standout two sentences two word sentences right Um, and yeah they're they're almost like it feels like they should be exclamation points or periods, but they're more like M dashes almost, mm-hmm. you know, if a sentence can be an M dash. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I think they're, they're, part they're, of, they're, they're functioning interestingly. I think they're part of kind of what you, I, I think we both have been circling around too of, of how the tone here is like so dead on, Yeah, um, you know, of, of exhaustion, of not wanting to be there, um, of hesitancy, um, you know, maybe even a little bit of like fear hanging out in the background, you know, like, you know, the, li- the list of these mundane things, good dog, bad citizen, short skeleton, tall mocha, typical, Tuesday. which are separated by commas. That's a list. 
yep. not a yep. sentence. Very pointedly, I right. feel it. Right. Well, yeah, and like the typical Tuesday stands out because of that list. Because of, because um, that typical Tuesday is a sentence, not a right. not a part of the list. Yeah. And as I was looking for more short sentences. Uh, My mother was in the hospital and I didn't want to be her friend, period. Typical son, period. Tall latte, short tail, bad plot, great Wi-Fi in the atypical cafe. So it's it's kind of inverted. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. In the other the one, we get, a, we get a, uh, a list before the short sentence. In this one, we get a short sentence, then a list. Right, right. And then it ends um, on the grocery list even yep. then. Yeah. Yep. Hey, there's so much going on here. But uh, we're we're missing perhaps one of my favorite moments. Um, if we just go up to the probably one three word sentence, very reasonable pigeons. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> well, that uh, a great, great line break at reasonable. <laughs> that leads into my favorite line. So let's just do what's my Bring favorite it. line. Bring it is, uh, and I'm I'm playing a bit with the enjambment, but um, my mother was in the hospital and no one wanted to be her friend. Line break. Everyone wanted to be soft, cooing sympathies. Very reasonable line break. Pigeons. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just like, <laughs> it really underscores the uh, everyone wants to be your friend when you're in the hospital. Yep. Um, the uh, soft, cooing sympathies. You can picture that, right? Like, if you ever try yeah. to comfort a baby, you can picture soft, cooing sympathy. Uh, everyone wants to be very reasonable. But pigeons. Pigeons are everywhere. Pigeons are just goddamn everywhere. <laughs> and yeah, like yeah, your, your city side coming out. <laughs> that's what the uh, that's what the um, the speaker thinks of all these uh, soft cooing sympathies that are very reasonable. Right. It's just like that's as ubiquitous as a pigeon. And I think about it about about as much as I think about a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think that's a that's a real like. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the card. Yep. Right. Straight right. the recycling. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, dead on. Yeah. Uh, dead I just on. I thought that was a that was a genius. Uh, Great I guess I said favorite line. It stretches over three, but um, right. sentiment. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh, well, my favorite sentiment. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's update the segment. What's your favorite sentiment, Miss Bo? <laughs> Gross. That sounds so awful. Stop it. What, Stop you want to corner the Instagram poetry market? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, we do this every time. Do we Do we have more to say beyond the page, or have we let it all out already? I think we've let it all out. I guess I should say my recent hospital stay was out of a, um abundance of caution for a an accident my three-year-old may have had. Turns out he's totally fine. We knew almost the entire time he was totally fine, but we spent our Thanksgiving 12 hours in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and after about two or three, we kind of knew, but I had to be there for a while. And that's when I, amidst all that pacing and, and running around and also trying to corral him and like keeping his, uh, you know, keeping his IV in and stuff. Cause he's a three-year-old and doesn't want to be right. sitting in a hospital. <laughs> At some point I was like, you know what? There's gotta be a poem that, <laughs> that, that knows exactly how absurd the, all this is. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, that's where, uh, that's where my uh, my I, I went into the Poetry Foundation website and said, 
uh, hospital poem and then <laughs> read until read until I got to one that was felt as absurd as my situation. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, you know, luckily, happy, healthy things family, good. things are good and stuff. But uh, that's that's what's beyond the page for me. I was like, there's there's gotta be some poem that that speaks to this. <laughs> And there, there always is. There Finding always it is. Might be hard, but there always is. Right, right. So yeah. Um, so yeah. Want to talk some basketball? I guess it's time to talk about some basketball. <laughs> yeah. um, so topic being family poems, uh, just kind of broadly. Um, I haven't even come up with my answer yet because there there's so many good ones to choose from. Who is your favorite family basketball pair? Um, could be a father-son NBA duo, mother-son WNBA duo, brothers and sisters, mother-son, father-daughter, family basketball duo. Um, you know, I've, I've got an answer that I'm really excited about because I didn't think about it until like 20 seconds ago. Awesome. Um, I don't know, uh, if this, uh, actually works for your question. Um, Cool. But you said you pretty much you pretty much left me with a duo, right? Yeah, that's that's essentially the answer. A duo, yeah. Essentially the question, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of I think cliche ways I can go with this, um, but you, you know what came to my mind? The Fun Police, Kevin Garnett and Tom Gugliotta. Are they related? <laughs> there were there was a series of commercials where because the Nike commercials where they were the fun police where they were making sure that you were having fun they wore these big yellow jackets. Uh, I have no memory of this. This is incredible. No! <laughs> they were the fun police and they wore big they yellow the, jackets. I don't know why they wore big yellow jackets. There was probably a series of maybe like two or three commercials. There definitely was some sort of website that I signed up for. You know it. Um, there's one, there's one commercial where they're like interrogating someone about like why they're not having enough fun. Um, completely absurd. <laughs> so upset. You don't remember this. I don't remember. I wish I did. <laughs> I wish I did. Barbed wire tatted Tom, Tom Gugliana. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why it was so good. Cause it was such like absurd idea. You know, KG was still young and like, it totally made sense. Um, and you just needed a teammate of his and, you know, circa 97, 98, 99, maybe like there was nobody on that team. Right. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe 0001, but still, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, just those, those KG T wolves teams that were not doing anything. And, you know, Nike was like, we have to make an ad around KG and, <laughs> Tom Gugliotta was the guy who was there, uh, you know, and again, exactly not the first person who comes to my mind when I think of someone who's going to, uh, you know, judge whether or not I'm having fun. Right. Um, yeah. That's why it's so good. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know, you talk about no one on those teams being any good. It's so funny and, and sad. Um, but if you sort of the same way the Pelicans are if you play like all-time teams on 2k the pelicans are usually like one of the best despite never having done anything good because mm-hmm. like the pelicans all-time lineup has like anthony davis and demarcus cousins and baron davis and um chris paul and like mm-hmm. page and all these other people if you take everyone 
that Kevin Garnett played with in Minnesota, you have like you can have a good team. You have Terrell Brandon, you have Sam Cassell, you have Stephon Marbury, you have uh, Gugliata, you have Spreewell. You have still feels like you're reaching now. <laughs> I'm seven deep and I'm still reaching, but like <laughs> you take modern basketball sensibilities, put KG at the five, then you have like Gugliata, right. Spreewell, and then that three guard. Brandon Cassell and Marbury, um, and you're onto something. Yeah, yeah, you're you're onto something. You're building something there, but right. the problem is he only played with like maybe two of those guys at the same time. Well, and I feel like we've talked about this on here before, but like I don't really remember because I certainly was not watching Timberwolves games in like '96, '97. No, you um, basically but, couldn't. <laughs> uh, I can confirm that you know on. Video games on baseball cards, he was always listed as a small forward. Yeah, he was listed as a small forward all the time. I've gone to his basketball reference page like (laughs) maybe five times to see how many times they think he played at the three. And it's it's like fractions of his career (laughs) that they actually list him as a three. And uh, but yeah, every basketball card was like, oh yeah, Kevin Garnett, small forward. And I'm like, that's not true. (laughs) They definitely played him with like. They played him with Cherokee Parks and Christian Leitner and, like, all these right. slow-footed, big-ass centers, I guess, because everyone was trying to counter Shaq and David Robinson and Hakeem <laughs> back then, you know. Um, right. But, uh, right. Uh, yeah, they they really ran Kevin Garnett and Tom Gugliotta together with a center, uh, which is just absurd to think about. <laughs> just, just nuts. <laughs> Like just play him at point. At that All right. Point. Do you have a? <laughs> do you have a, a family answer that makes more sense than mine? <laughs> I, I have a family member. Family answer that involves actual family members. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, my initial boring answer was uh, Demontis and Avridis Sabonis, because um, everyone Love talks it. about Avridis Sabonis as like, oh, he spent his prime you know, playing in the, in the Soviet union. And we only saw like the diminished version of him, blah, 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 whatever. And now DeMontis is like really good. I I like DeMontis a lot, but it's also like, Oh, he's a shadow of what his dad was, but he's also like got every good quality that his dad had, like the Mm -hmm. high post passing and the shooting and for a big guy and stuff like that. Um, uh, that's always, that's a Rita Simone is just one of my favorite. What ifs to think about, but my real answer, my favorite basketball family duo is Pamela and Pierre McGee, uh, the gold medalist from the 1984 Olympics who uh, played for the Sacramento Monarchs and the Los Angeles Sparks in the WNBA, and her son, uh, two-time champion. Am I right about that? Is he a two-time champion? It might be three. Might be th- oh, that'd be rad if it was three. Uh, let's see, 2020 Lakers, three-time champion, Javel McGee. <laughs> Uh, and gold medalist JaVale McGee yeah yeah that's right uh, yeah uh, I've always had a soft spot for JaVale I just I don't know I feel like he's he's just like a funny person like like not mm-hmm. like in a I'm making fun of him thing I, I think he just has like a really great sense of humor about himself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um uh also on NBA 2k11 uh, <laughs> my, my player got drafted by the Denver Nuggets when he was on that uh, yep. Denver Nuggets team with Andre Iguodala the one year Iguodala was there and uh, Chappelle 
upped my assist rate so much because you run a pick and roll with JaVale and it's an automatic dunk. Um, but no, I just think he's a guy who's he's been misunderstood for a lot of his career. He's been made fun of a lot of his career. He's been on Shaq right. and so much that he like had kind of a breakdown over it. And I'm glad to see in his late career people, and when I say people, I mean Steve Kerr, have found roles for him uh, right. that uh, fit his skill set and let him just be his goofy, long-armed, weirdo self and win championship rings. So I love JaVale. I love Pamela. Um, uh, yeah, they're, I just think that's just such a great combination of like, it's like this so woman whose cool. whole career was the, the, during that time when there wasn't women's professional basketball and she right, still managed right. to succeed anyway. And yeah. then, uh, then she grows up to have this goofball of a son who is now a three-time champion. Right. It's just beautiful. It's, it's so cool. Cause they're not, I feel like there's at least one other mother daughter combo. Like of, I, I can't remember who it is, yeah. but did Sonya Curry um, play in the WNBA or am I making that no, up? No, I think you're making that up. Um, but, uh, you know, like I, I remember when the WNBA started, Sonya um, Curry played in college, but not in, ah, there it is. Um, you know, and it, it, was like a handful of teams and like I, there was a lot of like question of how long it would last. I think. Right. Right. It felt like that certainly. Yeah. But yeah, that it's been around long enough and thrived that we can, you know, have those parent combos that aren't just like dad played in the NBA, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, and exactly like you're saying, it's, you just kind of wish that with some of these, some of the young players, you, you didn't just get so much institutional pressure on them to be everything. Right. You know, because we could have, we should have known what JaVale McGee was from very early on. Right. You know, there's just a set of things he does really, really well. Play 20 minutes um, a game, defend and rim run, you know. <laughs> right. Like, uh, <laughs> um, you know, and I, I get it. You know, young player, you're going to try and, like, maximize their potential. Right. You um, want everyone to be the best they can be. Right. Play, but, um you know, but yeah, like he's got that skill set where he was gonna be useful for a long time. Yeah. Um, and it's an it's an it kind of sucks it took so long to like find his role, but like yeah, it's so good that he's thriving and he's on the Suns this year, so maybe he could get that fourth ring. Could be a four time. The West is wide open this year. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I mean, the Bulls are winning the championship to this year, but you know, it's anything's you know, possible. I've, feel like I've heard this from a few people and it doesn't feel less wrong every time I hear it. <laughs> the Bulls are, uh, as they say, back. <laughs> back is one thing. Winning a championship is another thing. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. I, I appreciate Don't get ahead it. Of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think about sometimes is, uh, or, or what I've been thinking about with this this season is how weird championships used to be where like so when magic got on the lakers in 1980 in in 1980 right like Mm -hmm. yeah he'd had two years of college and uh was a you know consensus number one overall pick he's also playing with kareem the second or third best player of all time by any stretch of measurement um 
But isn't it just like wild that a rookie just like jumped on that team and then like they just won a championship, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or like same with Bird going to the Celtics. The Celtics were pretty stacked, but they weren't like the Celtics Celtics yet. But they won in his second year. Um, and I was thinking about that with the Suns last year of like mm. all they did was get a little more experienced and add Chris Paul. That shouldn't mm-hmm. mean getting to the finals, but it did, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I I don't actually. I'm not betting on the Bulls winning the championship this year. I'm just like, what if all the pieces just like fell into place? That feels like a possibility, which is weird, you know? Um, right. But it also, it feels like, it feels like none of the superstars are like clicking. You know, I feel like so many, uh, so many of the last championships of the last decade were like, well, Golden State has four All NBA players, you know, or right. um, well, LeBron is on that team, so that team's gonna right. have a puncher's chance or whatever. It doesn't quite feel like that. And for the first time that it's been wide open, it's like, you know, what if like Zach Levine just gets hot for twenty games, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> but a, uh, a little bit more uh just uh enthusiasm uh, of the player that uh, demar Derozan has become i know um, yes i hadn't really thought of it but you know whatever i was listening to the other day someone you know was saying how you know we all kind of just like forgot him in san antonio because those games weren't exactly must watch right um and that he uh you know learned a whole new skill set and has just like push his peak yeah um you know it's i was i was i was reading a similar thing uh i think on the athletic the other day about like how he spent a lot of time in san antonio running point i was like i probably watched mm. maybe three san antonio games <laughs> right. with <him> on the <laughs> so i didn't know that and i've yeah. always liked him i've always been cheering for him because i just think he has like a cool looking game and stuff mm-hmm. but when the bulls got him this summer i was like okay i guess we have this guy now Right. It felt like a classic Bulls, Mm -hmm. Carlos Boozers, Ben Wallace type signing where it's like, okay, we got this washed up guy who is a name. And he's just been kicking ass. And it's like, yeah, he looks like a whole different guy. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's very fun. Um, Especially, yeah, I've just, I think I read an article his rookie year um, about him, like, uh, you know, deciding at age 10 that he wanted to be in the NBA and, like, Pushing God. himself and work out, you know, like one of those like that this rules. little kid worked hard, you know, kind of right. pieces. And I was like, fucking cheering for that guy. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like he's got a cool game, he's got a cool name, and I'm I'm just cheering for that guy. Um, so, and I also felt sorry for him when, yeah, you get traded and then the team wins a championship yeah. with your replacement. It's that got hurt. That sucks. Got hurt. Yeah, yeah. But it's cool because you know the Bulls are gonna win the championship this year. So. You know, the Bulls are, uh, they're, they're like a family to you. Uh, <laughs> if the Bulls were like a family to me, I'd be making six figures in the front office right now. <laughs> uh, it's a nepotism organization. Um, <laughs> and that's where we'll end our family poems episode on. The Reinsdorf's yeah, nepotism. <laughs> Bringing it, bringing it back to family, and you know we're gonna we're gonna end the show, and we're gonna call our families and tell them we love them. Yeah, and I'm and, gonna call uh, Michael Reinsdorf, and I'm gonna say I've never said anything bad about Doug Collins or John Paxson in my entire life. Go ahead and hire me. I uh, 
I will, uh, you know, I don't know, read poems to the players, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's like what Phil Jackson used to do, burn sage on the sideline and stuff, you know. Good luck. Sounds like a plan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fund this podcast for us, Bob. <laughs>